Rain tapped against the windows, like a stranger coming to call, drawing me closer to the familiar comfort of the fireplace. My eyes habitually flickered to the empty chair beside the fireplace, his chair, and my fingers absent-mindedly caressed an old photograph. The heart attack had been so unexpected, so sudden, and my mind still couldn't quite grasp the concept of being a widow. I continued shuffling through a box of mementos, savoring the bittersweet recollection of each memory, and feeling a strange sense of unquenchable uneasiness. A fragile red rose, pressed between the pages of his favorite book, a glass bottle of his favorite cologne, a pair of ticket stubs from the play he took me to on our anniversary. These mementos were all I had left of Jim. His life had been reduced to scattered memories and an insignificant box of knick-knacks. As soon as the thought passed through my mind, I felt a twinge of remorse. I glanced again at the empty chair and imagined his crooked, chiding smile. Memories were natural comforts. He would have understood my need for these mementos. Not only did they tie him to me, but they also tied me to reality. Then, a thought occurred to me. I wasn't the only one who had experienced loss, and I couldn't be the only one who used mementos as anchors to reality. It was a part of everyone's lives they had to cope with. Did they manage it the same way? I decided to test my theory by inviting my closest friends to a dinner party, asking each one to bring a personal memento. Not just any personal memento, either. Their most personal one. The one object that they'd always keep, no matter what. Something tied to a tragedy they'd never forget. It'd be interesting to see what the others cherished and valued. Carefully, I tucked Jim's items back in the box and began planning the dinner. The attendees would include Vanessa Cartwright, an elementary school choir teacher, Amelia Roberts, a single older woman who I don't believe worked, but whom had some money from a past business or something, Sarah Bridges, a young housewife, Audrey Lewis, a college friend of mine, Elizabeth Waters, a neighbor who was also a housewife. They all knew each other reasonably well, because I organized a book club and invited each of them. They'd been coming together for years, except Audrey. She only started coming more recently as she moved closer to us. She's still about an hour away, but she doesn't mind joining up with us. They don't always get along but they have some colorful conversations between them in the club. I'm sure their opinions would be valuable when it would come to something as serious as this, and I was sure they could keep their normal bickering over silly things to a minimum. A few weeks later, I welcomed the guests into my home. After a polite amount of inconsequential small talk and tiny pieces of cheese and wine, we all took out our mementos, sat in some soft, cushiony chairs I pulled together into a circle, and sort of stared blankly at one another. No one knew quite how to approach the situation, 
each feeling a little self-conscious. These were our most personal mementos, after all, and although I knew all of them, we really didn't all know one another that well. When the silence was at its peak, I was about to clear my throat to begin the events, so to speak. But first, one brave soul would speak, and the stories would begin to unfold.